Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and the discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to. This milk very high in fat and protein much more so than the needs for humans. We don't have to make that long trip in that cold water. The calf does, the whale calf does. And so it contains four times as much protein, no, eight times that of human milk. So we'll jump ahead because this next segment... I think you're going to find pretty, pretty informative uh, as we proceed and understand um, the dangers of misinformation and how it's led to excess protein poisoning. Here we go. Let me just bring this up. And I want to talk about worldwide productions of meat. And uh, here we go. Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, let me jump ahead to that. All right, give me a moment. Here we go. Sorry. Okay, I think here we go. This is a good part because it's talking about milk of, of animals. Yeah, very good part. Here we go. It's in about three months, maybe six. Slow rate of growth. Becomes an adult at 17 years of age. Horses, they grow much faster. They grow to double, they double in size in 60 days. Well, they need more protein. They need more building blocks. And a cow, three times the, the rate of growth, three times the protein requirement. In the milk, in the milk. And rats require 11 times as much protein to build an adult rat, which takes about four to five months, and they double in size in four and a half days. Yeah, nature supplies her milk for the appropriate specific uh, species that it's trying to support. Nature doesn't make mistakes. Okay, so if we jump back to that, because I think it's really important, he's, he's talking about the fact that human milk has 1.2 compared to 11.8 grams of protein per every 100 milliliters. So rat milk is 11 times more concentrated in protein because rats grow faster almost than any other carnivorous animal. Dogs uh, grow pretty fast. Uh, they, they have 7.1. Cats grow pretty fast, 9.5. And a horse is, eats more grass and, and, and a cow eats more plant foods. But they take longer to grow. Look at look at the. I mean, they grow faster. That is than humans. Humans take the longest to reach uh, adult size from 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 an, a, a child. You know, from an infant, 180 days to grow versus a rat who grows to full size in 4.5 days. Okay, so again, that is the reason why all of human nutrition has been misleading because. The textbooks and the meat and dairy industry point to these outdated rat studies. To this day, in the main textbooks, and I just showed it at the break here, but just so you're really clear, 
This textbook, Nutrition in Health and in Disease, is used by dietitians around the world. And this textbook, uh, published prestigiously, I, I remember uh, buying it at Loma Linn University, and it, it's led to a lot of misinformation because the meat and dairy industry wants you to be confused that somehow you need all this excess protein. So we're, we're going to jump a little further ahead here. Let's just make sure we finish playing out uh, the story about milk here. Let me just make sure. Oh, yeah, this is kind of interesting about whales. Here we go. This milk very high in fat and protein much more so than the needs for humans. We don't have to make that long trip in that cold water. The calf does, the whale calf does. And so it contains four times as much protein, no, eight times that of human milk, and four times as much cow's milk to support that particular need, as well as just being loaded with fat, which is concentrated energy, to support that travel all the way from Hawaii to Alaska. So how about uh, Mother Nature when it came? Okay, so did you follow that? That the, the whale has large amount of fat and protein, uh, less lactose, less sugar, less milk sugar. But in humans, human milk has a very high percentage of milk sugar and lower amount of fat and a much lower amount of protein. 5% of the calories from protein that it takes to help a newborn grow to adult in 17 years. So my goal is to keep my protein take down under 10% towards 5% protein wherever possible, uh, but sustaining my calories at a good level, but with high intensity activity and optimization of, of my um, hormone levels. But let's listen in. This is great here, this part right here to human beings. Do you think that she was kind? Do you think she was appropriate? Do you think she made a right choice? Or maybe there's something wrong with human mother's breast milk? Maybe the dairy industry ought to weigh in on that one. Well, of course, mother's milk is perfect. It's delivered in a latchable container. Think about that. That provides a fluid of perfect temperature with adequate nutrients that never spoils. If it's particularly hot a certain day, the milk will contain more water. If the child needs more nutrients that particular day, there'll be less water in the mother's milk. The milk makes appropriate antibacterial, antimicrobial materials that take in and fight off infections in the infant. And mother's immune system communicates with that milk. She puts hormones, in her milk that uh, helped the growth to be normal. And it's always affordable. In fact, you may consider it cost-free. And matter of fact, you may, if you take into consideration everything, you might consider his mother's milk a financial advantage for the whole family. Oh, just one more side note. So <laughs> you can't argue with that. Human breast milk del delivered from a female breast is the ultimate antimicrobial. It never spoils, ideal temperature. It's loaded with vitamins and minerals, enough to take a baby on only one food. Remember, in primitive times, babies 
at birth were breastfed for two to four years. And oftentimes for the first two years, it was their only food. And that's the healthiest way to go. And we know, even though it has less than 5% of calories from protein, we get all the protein we need. So humans were designed to live not only on less protein, but to optimize our health and well-being. We thrive. We thrive on a lower protein diet than other animals because other animals are carnivores. They're completely different. Here we go. And that is, and I'd only tell this crowd that, that is so that I often hear uh, people say it doesn't make any difference when it comes to the infant. Uh, What's the difference between uh, a uh, an infant uh, getting its nourishment off of a formula versus a uh, mother's breast. No psychological changes, no emotional disturbances. And I sure hope that's the case. Well, my challenge to anybody who says that, particularly any, any particular who's man who's in a loving relationship or a woman who's in a loving relationship with a person who happens to contain the latchable instrument, is that instead tonight, what you do is curl up with a glass bottle and a rubber nipple and see how comforting that is. Well, you're not going to do that, of course. Pretty funny, right? And the Atkins diet, you can make it as high as 70% of the calories from protein. We're going to talk about the damages uh, caused by excess protein during the next lecture. So how do we get the requirements for our current protein recommendations, which are the more the better? Well, this comment came from work done in the 1800s, particularly by Atwater and Voigt, Carl Voigt. He's a very famous guy. Back then, everybody knew Voigt. He was a German physiologist, and uh, he made recommendations on what people should eat, particularly the protein requirements. Most of the people in those days came along with Voigt's recommendation. They didn't do any experiments, none at all. They came to a conclusion based on observations. The observation that they made was that if people had enough money to afford to, they would naturally choose the right foods. They have this innate ability to make the right choices, the right amount of protein, fat, etc. What they're talking about is a bigotry that resides in maybe better educated people, that puts down people with less of an education, that says that their diet, it has to be inferior to mine because after all, I went to college, I got a job, I'm a soldier, I'm a worker, which are the people that uh, that Voight was observing. I must be better than those people who work in the fields. They didn't take into consideration the fact that the Asian and African population live on half as much protein. And there, there were many vegetarians, vegans at that time that were surviving alive on half as much protein as Voight and Atwater and others recommended at that time. So observations uh, that many people could make were in complete contrast to what was the common knowledge then. And folks, I want to tell you is the common knowledge now. Yeah, so really it started back with a German physiologist named Voigt who led people to believe that the more grams of protein that people uh, consumed, and particularly those who are financially capable of consuming these more expensive animal protein foods, that somehow it was superior. But it wasn't based on any kind of science. So 
let's jump ahead with uh, this this particular uh, scientist and take it further uh, to hear what's really going on. Here we go. Join him. And they followed the similar kind of diet. They dropped their protein intake from, say, 120 grams to 60 grams a day, and they all thrived. And then they took 13 hospital corpse workers who were active at least one day a week. They were physically active at least one day a week. They put them on this kind of diet, and what happened is they thrived. And then they took eight Yale student athletes, and overall they increased their athletic performance by 35%. Okay, so now Russell Henry uh, Chittenden actually did experiments in a metabolic ward, and he cut the amount of protein recommended from Voight in half. And these people thrived. Not only was it initially himself, he maintained his muscle density, but five Yale faculty members, 13 hospital corps members, and then eight Yale student athletes. And they all were taking in about 40 to 50 grams of protein a day, which is so excellent. It's what my goal has always been to keep my protein intake lower and up my essential fatty acids, particularly my complex carbohydrates to get the best results because carbohydrates have healthy carbohydrates have a protein sparing effect. And we need meet all of our protein needs from our enzymes recycling and from our gut sloughing off and, and digesting that. But these are metabolic ward studies. So listen in further. He uh, wrote his basic understanding in a book called Physiological Economy and Nutrition. And the idea that the body is not wasteful. The idea is that the body makes most efficient use of everything that you give it. And the idea of giving excess protein to the body to make it healthier just did not make sense to him at all. And his studies showed that for clear, for for certain that it didn't make any sense. The uh, next important person that came along was William Rose. And I have to tell you a personal thing is um, one of my patients, one of my followers in the early 1980s met William Rose in Chicago. And William Rose is one of my heroes to say the least. He did all the basic work on protein requirements and he showed William Rose a, a copy of my book, and, and this follower took a picture of William Rose holding my book, and he said, he said, William Rose said about Dr. McDougall, he says that this diet just proves the human body will live on almost anything. I don't think that was a compliment. But anyway, I did have some contact with William Rose. Okay, so he, Dr. McDougall's talking about uh, William Rose, who kind of criticized McDougall, but stated that essentially the plant-based diet that McDougall was recommending, that people still thrived. They benefited. There was no deficiencies or side effects. But then there began a debate between uh, the PhD, Dr. Rose, and the medical doctor, Dr. John McDougall. And um, I believe McDougall eventually got the better hand uh, in this debate. Um, I turned up the sound for those commenting, but here we go. Let's go a little bit further. Well, William Rose, uh, he did experiments, and he published uh, 13 or 17 scientific papers in the uh, Journal of Biochemistry. They're considered classics. He discovered the last two of the essential amino acids of the eight essential amino acids. He discovered the last two. Uh, 
And then he did experiments that were very detailed. He enrolled his students who wanted to get involved in his studies because they knew that they'd become famous. Throughout history, they'd become famous because their names would be in scientific papers. And of course, they wanted to make a contribution to science. And so they went through various experiments that William Rose designed that were done in the metabolic world where he determined exactly what these people ate. The first thing he did is he determined how much protein people needed. And he determined that they needed about 20 to 30 grams a day. Then what he did is he took and made a, a mixture that was made of corn maize. In fact, it was deep deep protein corn maize. They took all the protein out of it and they put some vitamins and minerals back in and you know they 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 added an extra candy supplement that said had extra vitamins and minerals and so on. And they would take one of the essential amino acids out of the mixture. They take you know essentially all the amino acids out of the mixture and see what happened. And what they found was that the human being could make twelve of the of the twenty amino acids. So twelve were not essential for them. And by the way, this is two better than a rat. Okay, we can make twelve. A rat can only make ten. So uh, <clears throat> we could make uh, these twelve amino acids. So they didn't have to be included in the diet. That was determined by adding and subtracting to the mixture the non-essential amino acids. And then what they did is they took the essential eight essential amino acids that you had to get from the diet, and they reduced the amount given to the subject until they developed extreme fatigue. They were unable to go on and carry the experiment. They felt irritable, anxious. They demanded that they get their diet fixed again because they were under so much distress. And by this means, they determined the minimal amino acid requirements. If you look at this chart, which appears in the McDougall plan, it's the only place you'll find it. I published it 40 years ago. If you look at this chart, you will see Rose's minimum requirements for each of the essential amino acids. And what Rose did is in the second column, he doubled the minimum requirements, which by the way were the most any single subject required in the experiment. Let me say that again. Rose's minimum requirement was the most any subject required in the experiment, and then he doubled it and made a recommended requirement. And what you'll notice is that each and every starch and vegetable exceeds Rose's recommended requirement, which is twice as minimum, which is the maximum of any subject required. And any, any plant food, any whole plant food meets these, these particular requirements. Okay, so that's critical to follow, guys. Rose just theoretically figured, I'm going to double the amount of protein that people need. And it was far beyond what was ever needed. Keep in mind, this is based on essential fatty acid absorption being in positive nitrogen balance that humans get all the necessary protein they need in the right amino acid patterns by eating plant-based proteins. So what I'm saying is that it is so easy to meet your protein needs and it's so unfortunate because of rows and other misguided people because maybe they were influenced by meat or dairy industry or they were just influenced by growing up in their own uh, household that somehow they believed to support the meat and dairy industry that they had to have so much protein. Let's go further. Well, this all worked out until Francis Bourla Pay showed up 
which, by the way, Francis Martopay, I had her on my radio show one time, very lovely person, made a huge positive contribution to the welfare of the planet and welfare of human beings. So I don't mean this to take away from her overall wonderful contribution. And that's when she wrote the book, Diet for a Small Planet, which explained to us what big trouble we're in because of our fixation on eating a high animal food diet. But she also incorporated the misunderstandings of Voigt and Osborne and Mendel and ignorant people at Yale and Harvard, et cetera. She also incorporated those ideas into her basic book, which told us that we had to complement amino acids. You couldn't get all the essential amino acids from plants, but you could by mixing and matching. Well, I had her on my radio show about 10 years later when she wrote a book called The 10-Year Anniversary in 1981, and she apologized. Well, you know what? Like I say, her overall content. She apologized because Diet for a Small Planet, which suggested to people they had to combine rice with beans to get a complete protein or wheat with corn or whatever the combinations were, that you had to go through these gyrations, these rather complex ways to even get enough protein from plants, which was wrong. And in her 10th year edition, she apologized and said, I was completely wrong. I misled people. You get all eight up to 12 essential amino acids from rice only, so long as you get enough calories, or wheat only, or corn only. I'm not saying you should eat single foods only, but the point is it's completely easy to meet all of your uh, needs by eating a variety. Is that amazing or what? That is just astonishing. Well, I think... The, the fact is that you and I have been misled for all these years and me growing up thinking that, how shall I say, that the diet that we've been eating is perverted, not just from animal-based promoters, but even plant-based promoters putting out mistaken information. Now we're going to jump ahead to Harvard here shortly and talk about the mistaken beliefs uh, here. Here, here. Let's just go a little bit further right now was so positive and if you understand that we do make mistakes and if we get them right that's a very noble thing to do and correct our misunderstandings let's uh, talk about one of the people who has serious misunderstanding remember I told you Harvard still teaches the old concepts well the American Heart Association doesn't teach the old concepts anymore and they stopped doing this based upon an interaction that we had in 2001 the American Heart Association wrote an important long overdue paper, actually too little too late, that condemned low carbohydrate Atkins kind of diets. And in this particular paper, a review of the substance, these diets are dangerous. They don't meet our nutritional needs. They may lead to heart, kidney, bone, and liver problems. That's good, that's important. I read this paper with enthusiasm in 2001 until I got to the second page. And that second page contained an often quoted but incorrect statement. And that I told them about when I wrote them a letter to the editor in June of 2002. I said in my letter to the editor, which you see a copy of right here, which you can get by going to the internet. Your paper, Condemning Low Carbohydrate Diets, contains an often quoted but incorrect information about the adequacy of animal 
amino acids found in plant foods. This report states, although plant proteins form a large part of the human diet, most are deficient in one or more essential amino acids, therefore regarded as incomplete. Excuse me. I wrote uh, Barbara Howard, who's the head of Kids Committee and the whole committee, a letter. I said, hey, guys, that's not what the scientific research says. And besides that, by you making such a statement, people don't have the opportunity to make correct medical and nutritional decisions for them and their family or the community. I told him this is important. Well, Barbara Howard, she wrote back, and you see her letter to the editor on this particular page. It must be remembered that amino acid content in most plant foods is more limited in amount per serving than that of animal sources. Thus, it is difficult to maintain essential amino acids at optimum quantity distribution. That's another more flowery BS way of saying the same thing. Well, I wrote him back. <laughs> And uh, they said, look, McDougal, we've kind of had enough of you. We'll publish your, your retort online, but not in our hard medical journal called Circulation. We won't give you that opportunity, but they basically said, and I said, yes, you will. As you're going to put it in hard print so that people can see it five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, what I wrote about the nutrition committee and the incorrect information that you provide. So they finally did. They finally printed my letter, and here it is. My letter says that I want you to grant me the courtesy of professional and honest answer by showing me I am incorrect, by citing scientific research that contradicts my position and the studies I provided. Show me the basic researches I've done for you. You can do that, that's number one. Number two is you can admit you're wrong. You have the incorrect information. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no three. It's one or two. Well, Barbara Howard, she wrote me back with plenty of scientific references. Yes, she did basically the ones that I gave her showing that she was wrong. And then she went on and she said in her letter, an article by Millward, and Millward by the way is the most respected amino acid and protein researcher in the world, summarizes 15 articles and reviews the meat and wheat debate. So 15 articles, that's 15 scientific references she's providing for me and concludes that plant-based diets but not one food can supply protein in the mountain quality needed. Boy, did she fisk McDougal, huh? Well, I wrote, uh, Okay, so that's pretty impressive, right? Uh, McDougal took on the scientific community, the professors, the universities, and he, he challenged them. He said, prove to me that plant-based proteins will not only meet but exceed our protein needs and their argument was that you have to eat rather weird gyrations and combinations to get your protein needs met so <laughs> dr mcdougall now is turning to professor joe millward he's got more degrees after his name uh, as you can see cited but uh, those of you who are listening in phd bachelor of science doctor of science rph nutrition frsm uh and he wrote in the Encyclopedia of Nutrition, contrary to general opinion, 
the distinction between dietary protein sources in terms of nutritional superiority of animal over plant proteins is much, is much more difficult to demonstrate and is less relevant in human nutrition. Wow. So here he's saying that animal protein is not superior. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that plant protein is superior. And here's his exact statement. You can look it up. It's listed right here. Exactly what I just quoted to you. Let, let's let uh, John McDougall chime in and say what he's saying about it. Because this is, this is key, right? This is key. John Melward in Surrey, England. And I sent him all the information from our debate, uh, starting with the 2001 article by the American Heart Association Nutrition Committee condemning low, pro or low carbohydrate diets. I sent him my two dollars to the editor. And I asked Dr. Millward what he thinks. I didn't hear anything from him. Nothing. I wrote him, I said, are you gonna answer me? He says, I'm on vacation. So I waited a month. I said, I don't know how long you take vacations in England, but months is a long time for us here in America. And I really, all oh, these are decent people at the American Art Association. And so since 2011, it's only nine years later, since 2011, what has appeared at the American Art Association website under their discussion on vegetarian diets are the following statements. And you'll see those today. They've taken this position. Took them 10 years to, to seek out the truth, but at least they're telling now. You don't need to eat foods from animal sources to have enough protein in your diet. Plant proteins alone will provide enough of the essential and non-essential amino acids as long as the sources of dietary protein are varied and calorie intake is high enough to meet energy needs, whole grains, legumes, vegetables, seeds and nuts all contain both essential and non-essential amino acids. You don't need to constantly combine these foods. Oh, boy. But the rest of the organizations have it. Okay, so he made it clear. The American Heart Association stated very directly, plant proteins alone can provide enough of the essential and non-essential amino acids as long as the source of dietary protein are varied and calorically and the caloric intake is high enough to meet the energy needs in other words whole grains legumes vegetables seeds nuts fruit basically all contain essential and non-essential amino acids you don't have to combine foods or complementary proteins within a given meal to get a complete protein wow there it is it's exactly what you need to know and understand in other words all of your protein needs can be met on a Delgado approach, plant-based whole food nutrition. I've said this over and over again, and I want it to sink in so that it's very, very clear. This is the fun part now. Here, let's continue. We're, we're coming near the conclusion, but I want you to hang in here with me because this part is very important. Harvard hasn't. You could, go, you could spend the rest of the day... Here we go, the gladiators. A grave, a grave plot was discovered... 1800 years ago in Ephesus, which is now modern-day Turkey. Lots of Colosseums in that area. Great gladiatorial zone when the Romans uh, occupied this particular part of the world. And uh, at their Colosseum site, they found a grave plot, and in that grave plot, they found 60 skeletons about, about 10 years ago. And they dug these skeletons up, and they determined at first that they were male, and then 
based on their tools of occupation, their swords, tridents, and shields, they quickly concluded that these were gladiators. And well, what they did is they analyzed the bones of the gladiators. And they came to a very scientific conclusion based upon the amino acid content of the bones. You could do this with hair also, ancient hair. They determined that the diet chronically consumed by the gladiators was a vegan diet, which is consistent with stories about the gladiators of this time, which talks about the barley men. They live on a diet of barley and beans. Why do they live on a diet of barley and beans? It's because whoever owned them wanted them to win. I didn't really care what they ate as long as they won. So the gladiators were barley eaters. They ate principally complex carbohydrates, rarely ate meat. And this, one of the greatest warring nations, the strongest men who fought to the death, literally uh, quite fascinating that that's what they dug up in the burial graves to find out the truth of what they eat. Also, athletes around the world, like in uh, Kenya. Here, let's let's jump ahead uh, to, to, to this story because I think it's important. These athletes, uh, 40% of the wins from 1987. And 10% of the calories are protein. So winning athletes, when it comes to strength, endurance, they know what to eat. But, you know, if you're just chasing a two-year-old around or trying to make it from office to office, you should know that to get the most endurance and energy to win every day in your family, your business, your community, is with a diet that is low in protein, not high in protein. Okay, so what he's saying is the, the Kenyan men won 40% of all the endurance races from 1987 to 2016, uh, eating ugali, which is maize, cornmeal, a porridge cooked with water. That's the main source of their calories. They get over 76% carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, 10% protein, and they perform and exceed everyone's expectations. It's a great diet for endurance athletes. But what about hardcore weightlifters? Nehemiah Delgado, uh, a namesake, not not my relative as far as I know. He has never eaten meat in his life, and he's on a plant-based whole foods diet. I love athletics. I love participating in weightlifting. I'm not so much. I'm more of a weightlifting endurance athlete, not uh, long-distance lifting. And I've seen my best results on this kind of a program. And here we go. Go a little bit further. The Heart Association knows that. I know that. It's never an issue. Yet it is what all people ever talk about. A final thought on how much protein we need. And you think about this, folks. In 1981, 10 Irish prisoners starved to death. The IRA, the Irish Republic Army, in protest. One man died of a gunshot wound. The other nine starved to death took between 57 and 73 days, an average of 62 days to starve to death. Scientists, doctors had a chance to examine these people carefully, their nutrition makeup, their body mass makeup, etc. And they died when they lost 40% of their body weight, when they lost 94% of their body fat. 
but they only lost 19% of their body protein. They died of fat deficiency. They no longer had enough fat to make the coverings for their nervous system, to make the other integral parts of their body. That's why they died. So next time somebody asks you, where do you get your protein? You say, I'm not worried about my protein. I'm worried about my fat. Okay, of course, what he's saying is that when you drop weight, you're dropping mostly body fat weight when you're near starvation, and yet your body protein's preserved the most. It's the least likely to cause damage or harm, although athletes and fitness people looking good, you don't want to lose 20% of your body protein, but they, when they lost 94% of their body fat, it started affecting their nerves, and that's what they died of. Nine out of 10 of these men died from this, who consciously decided to starve as Irish pr prisoners. Very tragic, but we learned a lot from this. Also, you can get all you need from a potato diet, which reminds me of Irish, you know, how they eat a lot of potatoes. A lot of cultures that eat potatoes. It's just amongst the best thing you can eat. So, we can go into the fact, in summary, that the, the biggest, uh, strongest uh, people... Uh, are healthy around the world. The strongest animals eat the most starch, complex carbohydrates around the world. They're free of heart attacks, strokes, diabetes. Uh, there are fake meats, which is kind of a diversion. It's better than eating the whole animal product meat. Be careful which ones you choose, and I have an assessment about this. Uh, remember that whether you smoke 12 packs of cigarettes a day or one cigarette or one drink, some people are addicted and they just can't stop at that. So when you're making a clean break to follow a healthy diet, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to uh, where he talks about Nathan Pritikin because Pritikin and I worked very closely together and McDougal loved it that I worked with uh, Pritikin. But here, let's jump ahead to that. Let's hear what he says here. Here we go. You don't want to feel the way you do. You don't want to look the way you do. You don't want to live with the social responsibilities you live with. You know, take a clean break. The best diet for human beings as Chittenden found, as Hidden found, three million Danes, as Nathan Pritikin found, as Walter Kemner found, as I found, Neil Bernard is finding these days, Carlo Esselstyn, Dean Ornish, there are many truth tellers out there. We have to start listening. We have to start overcoming the money. So diverting money into fake foods is not the way to go. We need to divert that money into education that teaches you starches are not fat and you can't possibly design a protein or amino acid deficient diet. No one can do it. No scientist can do it based on whole foods, based on starches, vegetables, and fruits. The science is absolutely clear. You'll be amazed when you look at the research, which is something I passionately do. You'll get away from studying all day long. You'll go, my God, I can't believe this. How in the world could they come to conclusions on information that is 180 degrees from what the science says? Well, just look at the politics today, folks. There's a whole segment of our society that doesn't care about science. I'm a scientist. I do. I'll live based on science, not your hint, hunch. Not your opinion, not your bigotry, like Carl Void. I won't live on bigotry with the attitude that somehow successful people are better people, smarter people. They're better able to choose the right nutrient content for their diet than less privileged people.
All right. I think you got it clear. Kind of exciting. There's going to be a part two coming up right now. I wanted to mention the incredible product, organic superfood vegan protein. It tastes great. It's got a vanilla flavor. It's all organic. It's rich in broccoli sprouts, whole food, carrots, pumpkin, parsley. It is so good for you, and it tastes so good. Check it out. Our sponsor, DocNutrients.com. That's DocNutrients.com. Check it out. And I think you're going to be impressed when you try this. I mix it into my smoothies. I love to mix it in with uh, my grow muscle burn fat. Yes. Get your best plant-based sources. I did not pump up the protein content of the organic plant protein. I used the foods as grown as they are, but chose the best selection in case sometimes you skip a meal and you want to get the nutrient density and quality. And also when you add the beet, organic beets and amino acids, this is the perfect combination when you're wanting to drop some body fat to use it in place of one of those animal-based meals. This is the better way to go. All right, everyone. Loving you, sending you energy. Please uh, share this series. Please comment. Thank you for those who tuned in. A lot of my regular fans. We're on the brink of some exciting things. And please check out DocNutrients.com. And also, we have an open enrollment. There's still a chance to get into our coaching program. So check out NickDelgado.com forward slash coaching to see our new plan that has been fully explained with a video that you've got to watch. And from there, you can decide if you want to do coaching eligibility at nickdelgado.com, but start with nickdelgado.com forward slash coaching. Scroll down. There's a cool video. I want you to watch it. It's going to change your life. We're here to support you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. We did this together. We're going to make this year the best year ever. Health, happiness, your career, you need the energy, you need to look great and feel great. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. If there's any final questions, I'm going to just check it out. But I think uh, we covered everything. Hey, thanks, all you guys. I love it. Please share this this video. Part two is coming up on protein. And I got to say special thanks to Dr. John McDougal and, of course, Chef AJ, who had him on as a guest. I plan to have Dr. McDougal on my show very soon. But I wanted to lay all the groundwork before he comes on so you know what questions to ask to transform your life. That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There is a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz, and it's going to give you some incredible feedback and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021 and we're here to support you.